Hello and welcome back to season two of Talking Nears, the RPI hockey podcast presented by the RPI Red Army. I am your returning host, Andrew Vascatellis, and I'd like to welcome my good friends, Alex Brodsky and Steven Zenak, who will be joining the Talking Nears crew as hosts this season. Uh, before we welcome Coach Smith back to the show, why don't you guys tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves and your background as fans of RPI hockey? Uh, hey, everyone. I'm Alex Bradsky. I'm a senior studying mechanical engineering here at RPI. And uh, I've pretty much always been a big sports fan. But uh, my freshman year here at RPI, I, I got to know uh, Andrew Vettes and the uh, two other clowns that hosted this podcast before me. And I've been following RPI hockey of yours since pretty much. Hi, everyone. I'm Steven Zenick. Uh, I'm a computer science major, uh, senior at RPI. I've been a huge sports fan my entire life as well. And when I decided to come to RPI, I knew they had a D1 hockey program that had won multiple national championships. And I knew that it was something I wanted to participate in, just being a huge sports fan. And I'll pretty much play or watch any sport. So I bought season tickets my freshman year with my roommate. And then at the end of the season, I joined Red Army to help with the planning and hockey line and all that. And the rest is pretty much history. Awesome. With that, now you've met our new host. Uh, it is now my pleasure to welcome head coach of the engineers, Dave Smith. Coach, it's great to see you again. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for getting this going again. It is it's exciting, and you know we're we get to talk about lots of things, and we've had some player meetings today and this week, and it brings a new energy to interact, just like this does. It's it's great to to welcome Alex in, and I guess Stevens new but not really new and Andrew to have you back this it brings a new energy to the day and I'm excited to, to talk about RPI hockey and excited to be engaged with you guys the passionate fan base and and hosts of the talking nears this is this is great yeah thank you coach yeah, uh, to it too. yeah absolutely absolutely um I mean it, it has felt like a long time since we last spoke back in April so I just want to Catch everyone up. Uh, what did your summer look like, and and were you up in up in Canada enjoying yourself this summer? Well, uh, as we know, since since mid March, the world has been upside down, and we have, um, you know, we've had to endure um, a lot of challenges. Um, but to answer, which I know we'll talk about, but to answer your question. Um, my wife and I are both born and raised in Canada, so that did allow us to get up there, and we were ro working remotely, um, and that means really remotely because we were on an island in northern Ontario wow. with cell service, um, but we did get up there, and then we did our quarantine up there, and, and then we were able to spend some time with family and work remotely, catch mm -hmm. some fish as well. Yeah, yeah, I figured. <laughs> Um, how did you, how did you balance, like, I know Alex is going to get into this in a little bit, but how did you balance personal time and, and your role as the head coach of the hockey program over the summer? Yeah, we, um, you know, we had, my assistant coaches and staff was furloughed. And mm -hmm. so the, the bulk of the summer, which was really May 1 uh, through the month of July, May, June, and July, it was just me. 
So my typical day was early morning, you know, maybe seven, seven thirty. Um, start getting on the computer, start doing work, and um, you know, a lot of phone calls, a lot of recruiting, a lot of emails, and uh, really work until about two thirty, three o'clock, something like that. Just depended on the day, and then honestly, it was fishing. It was fishing when I was up north. Uh, I bought a fishing kayak when I was here. Um, that's the luxury of 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 our job in college athletics is that you know we have to get the work done, but we worked hard and we also set time aside for family. And uh, family is really important to me. And whether it be our extended family or our immediate family, which is my wife and two daughters, uh, definitely schedule time in there um, to to spend quality time together. So, uh, what was the biggest fish you caught recently? Well, I, my my best kayak fishing story is here at Ballston Lake. I caught it's somewhere between an eight and a ten pound largemouth and a four three and a half four pound smallmouth bass at Ballston Lake. But the exciting part of that was I hadn't been having much success. And fishing here is different than fishing at home. And fishing in a kayak is fishing different than fishing at home. But when I got those two fish. On a, on a Friday morning, about 11, between 10 and 11 o'clock, I was literally yelling at the top of my lungs <laughs> in my kayak, um, celebrating, holding it up. Um, people were looking at me like, what is, what is happening here? But those were, those were some nice fish. That's nice. Um, yeah, so, you know, as you mentioned, some of your staff was furloughed, but... Um, the off season was a bit longer this year than it has been in, in previous years. And, and so do you think that was helpful, not helpful, or, or pretty much the same compared to a normal off season? Ooh, that's a, that's a multi-layered question. Uh, yeah. the, the off season continues now. Uh, it helped in some ways in that we were really good at the end of last year. And that momentum has carried into the summer um, has helped with recruiting, you know, in a typical year, only a few teams win their last game of the season. But last year with COVID canceling the season, lots of teams had that happen to them. But we've used that success and we've gone from six wins to 10 wins and we were at 17 in building. So there was some positives there. Um, the remote learning part is a different challenge. But our team is so close and our chemistry is so um, so good and strong. It's presented some challenges there because this remote stuff, while effective, doesn't give us the same touch and feel that we do when we're when we're on site, when we're you know interacting face to face. So um, a lot has changed since March, but our guys have, have handled it well. They're, they've been a very mature group. They have the same values that we have. Uh, about integrating freshmen along with us. Um, so with the with the good has come some challenges, but I, I think we're getting through them as best possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, like we've, we've been talking about, obviously this summer has been very different in terms of preparing for the upcoming season um, with nothing set in stone yet. How, how important has team mentality and just mental toughness been as you await the start of the season? Well, it's 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 really challenging. It's really important right now. I mean, we're in the beginning of October. I've shared with our guys we're on a day-to-day -day timeline. 
What I mean by that is it's hard to predict. Everybody wants campus safe. Everybody wants to, to gain the best education possible. Our guys want to play hockey. And some of those decisions haven't, haven't happened at the rate that the hockey players want it to be. So when I say we're on day to day, today's a good day. Let's make it a great day. Now, by the end of the day, there may be some challenges and things that are out of the norm. But if we try to make every day as best possible, I don't know what tomorrow brings in terms of a return to practice and a schedule and things like that. So if we just keep going day to day and make today great, tomorrow's going to happen regardless. So let's let's do the best we can to prepare for it because the long term vision that we typically have at this time is not possible. So we need to uh, to maximize our short term vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, we definitely don't want to speculate over here. Um, are you are you are you do you have any vision of you know we we did. We got an email about, you know, maybe the idea of having um, games resume in January for season ticket holders. Is there any any thought on if that might are, are you guys thinking about that at all yet or really just taking it day to day? Well, a little a little bit of both. I mean, in terms of planning and preparation, I think it is important to have some sort of start date in mind. Mm -hmm. um, and then we can make adjustments from there. I know Dr. McElroy and myself um, are in those ECAC coaches meetings and administrative meetings, and we want to play as much as possible. Every institution in our league is also on their own island where they have to make decisions that, that are best for them. So my day-to-day my -day contact is with Dr. McElroy, and we're absolutely preparing to play games and to practice, um, but it does change. So while we have that vision on the schedule and what could be, we also know that we need to get through today and get through this week before any of those decisions become firm. And even after they become firm decisions, we're going to need to be agile and learn from, you know, what's happening in the, in the NHL, which was so good in their bubble. And the NFL, which, you know, had has some recent challenges and Major League Baseball had some early challenges. So we want to learn from those um, pro sports on, on, on maybe what's been good and what hasn't been good. But what I noticed first and foremost that we can take to our program is the ability to be flexible and agile. Mm -hmm. We're certainly looking forward to the start of the season when once once it becomes uh, safe to do so, and we'll be sure to keep all of our listeners updated. Uh, next up, we will be bringing in senior forward Billy Jerry. We are now joined by senior forward from River Falls, Wisconsin, Billy Jerry. First off, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, so you chose to commit to RPI within a couple months of Dave Smith getting hired. Uh, what made you choose to come to RPI and what vision did Dave sell you on? Uh, pretty funny story, actually. So uh, when Dave was at Canisius, he actually recruited my older brother, Casey, to play for him. So I was pretty familiar with Coach Smith already. And um, I actually took a visit to Canisius while Dave was there. And then um, when Coach Smith came to chose to come to RPI, um, the second time around recruiting me, um, 
I just felt, you know, pretty valued by him. And, um, you know, I liked what he preached and his message about the culture and stuff like that and what we were trying to create here. So it made my decision pretty easy. Yeah. And speaking of your brother, Casey, obviously he played for him for a year at Canisius. So did he tell you what he was like as a coach and uh, what did he tell you? Yeah. So that also made it, you know, that made my decision easier. Um, since Casey had experienced him for a full year already, I kind of knew what, what I was going to get with coach Smith and, you know, just super good hockey mind, but also a really good person as a coach and stuff too. So uh, the two of those combined uh, made things pretty easy for me. Yeah. So you'd say then that a uh, coach pretty much lived up to your expectations and uh, he was like what you thought he'd be like and how your brother described him. Yeah. And just through the whole recruiting process, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think all the coaches, you know, were great at, at reaching out and making sure that, you know, I was comfortable with the whole process and my visit went really well and stuff like that. So, you know, right when I got here, I kind of knew. Uh, so I, I, I gotta ask though, is there like any sibling rivalry or competitiveness between you guys, you and your brother? Because I know you guys are, are tied for career goals right now, but you know, you've got one more year left. So it's going to be like <laughs> mad when you eventually pass him in goals or not. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, he's pretty supportive, but you know, it's pretty, it's pretty funny last year being able to play against him twice. Um, you know, like growing up and stuff, we did mm-hmm. all of our, all of our training together and, you know, we even played on the same team in high school. So I guess, you know, to play against each other on, you know, a division one stage is pretty special. I don't think a lot of, a lot of siblings can say that they were able to do it. So, you know, and, uh, being able to face off against them and stuff at center ice to start those games off was, you know, something that I don't think either of us will forget. So really cool moment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And as a senior, you've, you've played a lot of games as an engineer. Uh, what have been some of your favorite memories and uh, favorite games so far? Um, well, I would say the first thing that comes to mind is probably the mayor's cup. I think it's pretty, pretty easy to get up for that game you know a huge rivalry with union and you know just at the times union center when things are going nuts and all the fans are going crazy you know pretty cool experience yeah definitely definitely uh i know a lot of guys have like different things i know we were talking to chase ziki last season and he's a big napper on road trips (laughs) but what what's like some of your favorite road trip pastimes um yeah i'd like to if i can i'd like to squeeze a nap in but you know i'm just kind of a big netflix guy I like to throw on a movie or something take my mind off the game for a while before you know before we get underway and head to the rink so just try to keep it light and you know then when we get to the rink you know it's time to focus on the game and you know things start to get serious so yeah definitely <clears throat> So uh, what what are you most looking forward to about the start of the season? Uh, so obviously, you know, we're going through some pretty crazy times right now. Uh, season usually would begin right now. So I guess just, you know, the anticipation of getting back in the field house and, you know, being able to play in front of our awesome fans, you know, is something that, 
myself and you know the rest of the guys are hungry to do so uh whenever that time comes you know we're not sure but uh we'll be ready to go yeah for sure and whenever whenever we're able to be in those stands we'll be there yeah. can't wait yeah. um are there are there any teams you're looking forward to uh i know there's there's different talks of like what who who will be playing who and like if it'll be in conference or out of conference but are there any any matchups you're especially looking forward to once the season starts? Uh, to be honest, you know, I think every, you know, the ECAC is a pretty pretty competitive conference, so it doesn't really matter who we're playing. And I know um, usually we schedule some pretty hard out-of-conference games, you know, to get us prepared and stuff, come playoff time. So, you know, I think it, you know, we always say it doesn't matter who you're playing that night in the ECAC. Like, everybody's got a shot to win in our conference. So, um but yeah yeah awesome i mean we can't we can't wait to be there in the stands as soon as possible like i said um really appreciate you joining us on this wednesday and uh we we hope we can talk to you again soon so thank you absolutely thanks guys thank you again to billy for joining us now back to you dave um, last season, you guys were able to secure the four seed and a first round bye for the ECAC playoffs. Your overall record was 13, eight and one in ECAC for 27 points, but in non-conference games, your record was four, seven and one because those games, um, came earlier in the season before the team really clicked. So how do you build off of your ECAC success, success last season for non-conference games in addition to ECAC games this season? Yeah, really interesting question um, that I, I see a theme now, Alex, early for you. Like these, there's a lot of layers to this um, and I'll try and keep it, uh, I'll try and keep it very concise. But um, if I, if I go to the end and look back, we learned how to win. We expected to win. We became a really good hockey team. Um, we had key players step up the Owen State. We had freshmen that gained confidence, you know, Zach Dubinsky, Tristan Ashbrook, um, Corey Babichuk, Simon Shelberg. Um, at the beginning, they very challenging schedule. We didn't know what we had. We were coming off a 10-win season. We knew that we had good chemistry and we had a lot of growth. But we had to find our find our way and find our sort of mojo. So we want to continue to play really challenging out of conference schedules. Our priority right now is ECAC. As we become a better team, as we become um, a, a threat in every game, then our at-large tournament standings become more vital. And, and I think that's when you'll see, all right, because we were approaching the top 25, 24 last year at the end of the year. And now we can build on that. So as we begin the next season, we say, hey, fellas, you win three more of those games, you're in the conversation for an at-large bid. You beat, you win the right games, the right opponents, and do well in the ECAC. We're, we're making a bid for an at-large bid. So that's where we'd like to be in those conversations. Mm -hmm. And as you guys are preparing for this upcoming season, what's the balance between um, I know there's I think there's still some guys who are remote and so what's the balance between um, like mental and physical and like in-person practice how are you guys 
how are you guys handling that? Yeah, well, as as of this podcast on Wednesday, October seventh, I think we are. Um, we've got half our guys on campus, half our guys are our guys are remote. Um, mm-hmm. We're working on different team building and and development tools, whether that be having a webinar for, on peak performance, um, you know, from from qualified people uh, to system development, um, just from from our coaches to team building with the leadership group. So uh, we're doing still doing a lot of Zoom or WebEx calls. We're doing a, a, as many in-person um, things as possible while being you know masked up and socially distanced, small groups, safe pods. And until we get the return to practice approval, um, the guys are really uh, primarily being students and whatever they can do to stay active and sharp as elite division one athletes. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't think that the uh, ECAC will qualify for a bubble, do you? Any, any bubble? Well, play? I think when, when I did learn that uh, the NHL was had early on in their discussions proposed fifteen million dollars towards <laughs> testing, I don't believe the ECAC is in the same position as the NHL. <laughs> it's a shame. It's a shame. That's isn't it? Uh, so it's funny that you mentioned an at-large bid uh, because that was part of the next question. So do you pay attention to the pairwise and since that determines the at-large bids and how that all shakes out? Um, I do pay attention to them, but more after a weekend. Um, we, we, our job as coaches is to prepare for this upcoming weekend, whatever that might be. And then you can look back and say, well, what if or look what we did. And um, that's when we really pay attention to the pairwise. But in terms of the scheduling, we know what it is. And you know, we have some, some strategies uh, that we talk about on who we play, um, when we play them, trying to get the home games, trying to get the right road games, trying to get a mix of East and West. A lot of factors go into it, but it is important. It hasn't, it's way more important when you have 20 wins than it is when you have 10. And so we, we definitely want to be in that discussion. Um, so you've, you've always emphasized how important it is to have a strong leadership group. And this season with only four, four seniors and a pretty young team, how does that affect the leadership for this year? And how do you ensure it's still just as strong? So what we do, we have is we have all four of our seniors, Shane Seller, right. Billy Jerry, Alec Calvaruso, and Lyndon Marshall in our leadership group. And then we take feedback from the coaches, because we also pay attention, and all of the players on who our emerging leaders are. So we've included um, three, uh, uh, three were sophomores, now juniors in that mix, and um, Owen Savory, Tour Linden, and Brady Ferner. And so we've had weekly conversations since March, maybe since April. Um, and those guys are, eyes and ears outward, meaning a message from the coaches through them, but also from all the freshmen and the mentors back up to the coaches so we can have a pulse on what's going on. And um, I really believe that this leadership group learned from last year's leadership group and has done a really terrific job, better than can be expected during this challenging time. And we lean on them. We lean on them to, to, to know what the temperature in the room is. And um, we lean on them to hold each other accountable. And we often talk about a meeting after a meeting 
and those guys, they have a strong voice with each other. And um, I love what these guys have done, what they bring to the table. And um, I'm really proud of what they've also accomplished so far in a season that hasn't seen a game played yet. Yeah. So it's interesting that you mentioned that they learned a lot from last year's leadership group and have used that to be good leaders themselves. So do you think that kind of has a chain reaction where each leadership group learns from the previous one? And is that also why you think some of the best teams that always have strong leadership are good year after year? Leadership is absolutely the key. And uh, I think in any situation, if I just talk about a, a neutral, not our team, um, you can as learn as much from bad as you can from good if you're willing to look at it objectively. So when we reviewed last year, you know, one of the first feedback questions is what did you like? What did you not like? What did you notice that was good? What did you notice that wasn't good? Um, so we look very objectively at, at trying to get better. And I don't think there's any team program or leadership group that says, I want to get worse this year, or I want to stay the same. So as long as we have a growth mindset and we get the right people on the bus, then we automatically will improve um, our culture and chemistry and, and we'll try different things. And then it's, it, you know, we want to build that trust level in the room and individually so that it translates to on ice performance. So then uh, what, what were, like, we can just pull a couple of those questions and what, what were some things that you did like, didn't like, or looking to improve for this season then? Well, in this form, I'm not going to tell you what I didn't like. For the most <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, it, it, most of that stuff happens in the room. Um, but what I liked is that our leadership group in particular empowered the team as a whole to take ownership of every situation. That's the ultimate goal for our program. That um, as coaches, I think in the first year for sure, and then it started to go away in the second year, I think people look and say, you know, the coaches are the primary fuel in this engine. And I think that's backwards. The primary fuel in the engine is the players. And it's our job to guide and direct and obviously we have a role in, in the games and practices, a major role, but the players provide the energy and the, and the accountability. And now that they've taken ownership, um, that's the best thing to celebrate. Um, the things that we didn't like, those are, those are talked about behind closed doors. Those are areas that you focus on improvement. But, you know, I mentioned we're doing player meetings right now and the, the returning guys that are here, either WebEx or in person, um, they're, they're talking about how great the last two years have been. And I remind them that we are a product of the greatness, things that happened, but we're also a product of the adversity that we faced. So let's not forget it. Let's not ignore it. Let's make sure it's part of our game planning moving forward. Awesome. All right. So now let's talk about the roster of more specifically the incoming players. Uh, so I've done some research. I found as many scattering reports as I could on them. Uh, I actually managed to watch the games of a few of them. So I'm going to talk about what I found and then I want you to either confirm or correct what I say or and, and go more in depth and so that the fans can kind of learn what types of players these guys are and what skills they'll bring to the table. 
Uh, so we're going to go in alphabetical order, and we're only going to do the first half of the players now, and the second half will come in a future episode. So we will start with John Beaton, and he's actually one of the players I got to watch a few games of. He played for the Youngstown Phantoms in the USHL, uh, which is the United States Hockey League. And I thought he was a very well-rounded player. He has good size, but still has more acceleration and speed than you would think he has. Uh, he seemed to be a very smart player. And overall, I thought his defensive awareness was outstanding. Offensively, he made crisp passes and used, used his size to protect the puck and box out, especially down low and in the corners. Overall, I thought he was a great two-way center. And it seemed like Youngstown thought the same since he was getting lots of time on the power play and on the penalty kill. One additional interesting note is that last year he was ranked by NHL Central Scouting for the 2019 draft, uh, even though he did not end up getting selected. So how is my assessment uh, and what else can you tell us about John Beaton as a hockey player? The uh, So first, I'm just going to tell you that right now we as coaches go through phases with our recruits so we love them before they commit to us and then they commit to us and then we start worrying and seeing some of the false oh we got to work on this and then they get here and we get on the ice with them and that uh how comfortable they are on the ice we haven't been able to witness that with them yet and everybody has a different maturity level a different adjustment to the college game um specifically on john beaton i i think that that's the beauty of of scouting is that your opinion is exactly right as your opinion. Um, how does it compare to my opinion? We, as coaches, Scott, Chuck, and myself, we don't want the same opinion, but we have a very high expectation of what John Beaton can bring to the table and many of those things you mentioned. He's got wonderful IQ, he's got size and separation speed, um, and has the ability to play in all situations. We need to keep um expectations in check early on all of our freshmen but he did take an extra year and to go play in Youngstown and physically mentally emotionally all those things he's a year bigger faster stronger better um and we expect him to contribute in much the same manner that Tristan Ashbrook and Zach Dubinsky did where they were given um opportunities and then earned more opportunities uh, but high expectations very much for John Beaton. He's a, he's a heck of a player and a great pickup. Great. And that's something, you know, we as fans love to hear that you think he can definitely make an impact. Uh, how do you see him fit on the team with all four centers returning? Uh, because I didn't see him play on the wing at all. That doesn't mean he didn't because I only saw a few games. But how do you think that works out? Well, I use, I use uh, the NHL and Pittsburgh Penguins as my example. So I would say to you, Stephen, let's say you're a centerman. You've only played center your entire life. And I say to you, all right, Stephen, do you want to play fifth line center, which means you're out of the lineup and you're behind four guys, or do you want to play second line left wing with uh, Malkin? And so far, no one has said fifth line center out of the lineup. So the guys are hockey players. Um, not all of them play their preferred position. They all want to be hockey players that contribute. So I'm not worried about John, whether he's in the middle or on the wing, but it's also not just about John. It's about all of the guys and the flexibility to, to play various positions uh, to benefit the group. Great. Uh, and I know you've mentioned before that you mainly recruit centers 
because it's easier to move a center to wing than a wing to center. So does that kind of factor into where you know, okay, any of these centers can move to wing if we need to, and, and we'll just choose whatever works best to field the best team we can? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a skill set at center in terms of ice coverage that's necessary just on skating, agility, and, and speed that uh, that you need to have um, that we like, and we, we see that in a lot of players. All right, so we'll move on now to Jack Brackett, who played for the Powell River Kings in the BCHL, which is the British Columbia Hockey League this past season. He was a key player for them. He started the season on the third line, but then moved up to the top line. And he, again, like Beaton, played on both the power play and penalty kill for them in all situations. The main word I always saw to, to describe Jack was speed. One of his coaches called him one of the fastest, if not the fastest in the entire league. And he was also described as a great four checker and a pest to players breaking out of the zone. Uh, but I didn't get anything on skills other than that, really. So what else can you tell us about Jack? Well, with, with Jack, much like excuse me, a lot of guys, we want to celebrate their strengths and then round out their weaknesses. And you nailed his strengths. He is extremely fast, extremely effective on the forecheck. He'll be able to, to, to kill penalties right away. He's got great IQ and great stick. Um, and we'll build off of, off of Jack. And in, in everything that builds off of Jack will come from those things. He's, he's exceptionally fast and, and passionate and persistent. And those are characteristics that we want in our individuals, but we want our team to be hard to play against. We need those things for that to happen. Yeah, and I think with uh, like, you know, speed and being a pest on the floor check, you know, you can just picture those shifts where the team just can't break out of the zone and can't get anything going. And it's just so frustrating, even as a fan, uh, if you're rooting for or exciting if you're a fan. So that's definitely something we hope Jack can bring to the table because that just creates havoc and chaos for the other team. So we'll move to Dylan Davies now. He split time with the Omaha Lancers, Muskegon Lumberjacks, and Sioux Falls Stampede in the USHL. He's a big body defenseman with good athleticism and mobility. He uses his size, strength, and reach well in the defensive zone. He also has good awareness and IQ and uses that that IQ and vision to break pucks out of the zone and make good passes on the breakout. Overall, he's more of a stay-at-home defenseman that does the little things well. Uh, what else can you tell us about Dylan uh, and was what I said on the money like it was with Jack? <laughs> you're on the, you're on the money, Stephen. Don't, don't worry. You're on the money. money. The, I'm hoping to stay on the money. <laughs> like I said, your opinion is your opinion, and um, it's exciting, but they haven't created themselves here. I think you're going to see two types of defensemen that we like to recruit. One would be the Kyle Hallbauer, Corey Babichuk, very elusive, high skill, the ability to make a play, join the rush. They also have to be able to break the puck out. The other is the long athletic guys that can break out the puck, um, use their size, their reach, um, use their skating uh, to join the rush. And Dylan is right there in that second category. Um, we believe that 
you know, he is an elite defenseman who has the potential to play high-level pro hockey. Um, he played in the Halenka tournament, which is a USA national selection type tournament. Um, he, he fits very simply on the surface. He's an elite player that values education. I think as a hockey player, we're going to want to um, capitalize on his athleticism and get him joining the rush a little bit more. Get him, get him using his skating and his mobility, which he's so good at, um, to, to join the rush and be creative in the offensive zone. But not at the expense of losing what he's great at. He's a great defender. He can break pucks out, and he can definitely benefit our team in transition. Yeah, and I think you know you mentioned those two types of defensemen, and I think having that mix is really important and it creates a very good overall uh, back end where you have Corey Babchuk who can run the power play. He can break pucks out. He can really create on offense. And then obviously he's good in his defensive zone too, but then you, you have players like Dylan Davies um, and Mason Cleese, I think in that similar vein where they can really use their size to disrupt in the defensive zone. And then, those types of players, I feel like, complement each other pretty well on the blue line. Yeah. Okay, so now we move to Jake Gagnon. He played with the Wellington Dukes in the OJHL, which is the Ontario Junior Hockey League. Uh, he was one of the league leaders in both goals and points, and he produced frequently at both even strength and on the power play. Specifically on the power play, he excelled in the Ovechkin spot. Um, as a Bruins fan, I'm going to call that the posture knock spot now, but, <laughs> uh, but he excelled on that left elbow on the power play. And while he's not very big, he plays bigger than his size and is very strong on the puck, tough to move off it. He plays with great speed, skating, vision, and stick handling offensively. Defensively, he's a great four checker as the F1, uh, which is just the, the four checker that plays on the top and tries to disrupt close to the puck. Um, and he played both center and wing. Uh, and that's what I have on him. What else can you tell us about Jake? Well, Jake is, uh, his gift is his shot. And as a right shot forward who can play the, what do you call it, the elbow on the power play um, or that offside shooting flank, um, it's important when we're on the same scouting team, our language is consistent, but that's okay. Um, he, uh, we want him to use his gift. He, as you said, he's not the biggest guy, but he has a nose for the net. He's got an elite IQ. He's a hundred percent committed to the team and he'll do anything. And he has the ability to do lots of things. He's just, he's not tall. Um, you know, he's not, he's not tiny, but he has found a way to be successful in junior hockey and we would expect him to take that same course of action here or sort of plan here where he just continues to get better, continues to um, accent and highlight his gift, which starts with his shot. Yeah. And, you know, with what I read on the for the scouting reports and I wasn't able to watch Jake, but I couldn't help but think while I was reading all these. Oh, wow. This kind of sounds like Patrick Polino a little bit. Uh, so what do you think of that comparison? And do you think he can play a similar big role, not just this year, but over his time at RPI? 
Well, I think he'll have to evolve. I mean, we're looking at Patrick after four years of role development and, and skill development. Now we're looking at Jake Gagnon after four weeks or eight weeks, whatever it would be. Um, if we just think of what their gift is, uh, Patrick's gift is his skating. Uh, Jake's gift is his shot. So they're a little bit different in that way. And and while we worked with Patrick that his shot became a threat, his skating was still his main thing. And we will round out Jake's game much the same way we did Patrick's game. But I do think they're a little bit different, just primarily with their with what their what their most obvious gift is, because we recruit guys that have a gift in some way. And it's important to build that up when they're here. And we often don't change their gift. If they have multiple gifts, now we're talking about elite people, elite players. Mm. Great. And that's a that's a good point that their gifts are different and but you still want to round out their game as you would with any player to have hopefully multiple gifts at the end of their time here. So our last player for today is James McIsaac. He played for the Brooks Bandits in the AJHL, uh, which is the Alberta Junior Hockey League, uh, which is the same team that Ryan Mashey played for before coming to RPI. Uh, so McIsaac's actually one of the players I wasn't able to find much information about as a player. So we'll need you to kind of fill in the gaps here. But what I did find is that he's a very fast player who plays with a lot of toughness. He's not afraid to drive the net and go to the dirty areas. He played both center and wing in juniors. So uh, would you be able to give us more details about his game? But Jimmy, Jimmy McIsaac is... He can do anything out there, he, depending on and another great team guy who, depending on the role that he's given, he's shown in junior hockey the ability to excel. He is hard to play against. His gift is he's hard. He can skate and he'll check. He can score. He'll, he can shoot. He can make a play. Um, depending on the role that he's given is where his focus lies. So um, at different times in junior hockey, he was put in a checking role. He excelled in it at different times. In junior hockey, he was on the power play and, and expected to score. He excelled in that role. Um, I think whatever we throw at Jimmy, he's going to make our team better because he's passionate about the game of hockey. And his gift is really hard to play against in every situation. So that tells you he's got great IQ. He's got great, you know, uh, flexibility in his game. And I'm, I'm excited to see how he brings that physical energy um, now you're talking about a guy like Jack Rackett, who we've talked about, who brings that physical energy. Jimmy McIsaac brings it. And both those guys have skills. So um, I'm excited to watch Jimmy uh, grow and develop into a, a real effective college hockey player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're certainly excited, too. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we definitely um, appreciate you taking the time today to uh, resume our, our talking news. Um, next episode, we'll be going through the remainder of the freshman class of engineers. Uh, for those at home, we'll be recording episodes every two weeks for now uh, until the season starts. So once the season begins, we'll be right back to our weekly show. Coach, again, just we want to thank you for your time. And we look forward to talking, talking nears and talking hockey with you again soon. Thank you. Well, and before we just sign off, I think it's it is exciting to get back to this and you know, our our big picture goals, and we talked about this last year, is is 
you know, we're here supporting the growth and development of our RPI hockey players, and they are committed athletes and committed students. And it's always important that we're positive, we're team first, and we 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 want to be the best doing these uh, that we can be. So we want to be competitive. And I'm excited on on day one of a new year, year two for talking years that you guys are going to bring that preparation and positive team first competitive environment. And and I've seen that from the fans and I've seen that from the support that's around Troy and our campus. And that's exciting. So um, congratulations. We're back for year two. They renewed our talking years contracts. <laughs> oh, you guys are going to knock it over the park. Thank you. Thank you, coach. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you.